Southwell is a software engineer working as an apps specialist for an AI software company in St. Louis. She was born and raised in St. Kitts, where she honed her love of vibrant colors and rich culture. She runs the award-winning affordable style platform, Economy of Style. She has appeared in several publications, including Redbook, Cosmopolitan, Good Housekeeping, and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Her fashion sense and branding expertise have attracted the attention of major retailers like J. Crew, Target, and Lily Pulitzer. She has been named the best budget blogger in St. Louis and top five budget fashion blogger in the US and a winner of Red Book's Real Women's Style Awards. Psyche, it's an honor to have you on the program. Thank you. This you make me sound so good, Simone. <laughs> oh, and let me tell you, you deserve all the accolades for all the hard work you've done. And you know, of course, we go all the way back to yes. Midwestern State yes. University back and in the late 90s. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So it is wonderful to see you again. And you know, we were just saying that you've always been ahead of the trends because back in the 90s when no one was wearing their hair naturally, you were already on that trend. Gosh, absolutely, man. I've always been inspired by fashion. I've always been inspired by style. I think it's really important. And I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that tonight. Yes, yes. So let's just get started with where your interest in fashion started. What first caught your eye and made you be interested in fashion? Gosh, well, you know, we are Caribbean women, okay? I was born and raised in St. Kitts, and whether it was getting ready for a carnival that we have in December that kicks in through the early part of January, or a big music festival, like, we care a lot about appearance. And I've always cared about style, right? But I went down a very kind of academic, traditional route. That's what brought me to the U.S. originally. And I was studying in a field in which fashion, no one cared about fashion in a number of ways. Fashion was very much denigrated. If you look like you care about style, it almost was an indicator that you didn't care about anything else. And I rejected that because for me, style is important because it says something about you. It says something about how you think and it says something about what you think about the world. So I thought that was important. So I decided to go online. I started my blog way back in 2007. That might age me for some of y'all and that's okay, y'all. I am in my forties, early forties. Um, I'm proud to be, right? But um, I started this platform or I reached out on online platforms that were starting at the time. There were bloggers and there were a few women out there and I would connect with them and we connected on this notion that style was important. But when I looked around at the platform and the blogosphere at the time, none of them looked like me, right? There weren't black bloggers out there. And for the most part, like a lot of the magazines and the traditional platforms that we often looked to, they never really talked about price. And at the time I was a grad student, I had a very small budget, but I wanted to look good, right? So I was like, damn, how could I kind of connect all of these things? And I was studying economics at the time. So I wanted to kind of blend all of my interests. And the answer was economy of style, where I focused on affordable style, affordable living, meaning that 
no matter what your style is or your taste preferences, there is a way that you can achieve that no matter what your budget is. And I stand by that today, even if my budget has gotten bigger or smaller, I'm all about kind of like a high-low style of dressing. There are things I'm willing to spend more on. And there are some things I just don't think it's worthwhile spending a lot of money on. And also I thought it was important to just be a black body in this kind of like blogosphere and represent for that. Can't tell you how many times people ask me like, hey, what color foundation are you wearing? or what product are you using on your natural hair and so forth and so forth. So it's been a good ride kind of like representing out here and representing for St. Kitts and just kind of all Caribbean women have been able to accomplish some amazing things that were not even fathomable when I started. This was just a, hab a, hobbit, a hobby rather. So to get um, the recognition of major magazines, I've gotten to take over like the editorial pages of a few magazines and which says, hey, just writing my, you know, on my interests and sharing my passion online, developed a certain kind of expertise that garnered a respect. And I think a lot of brands and other people in the industry recognize that. And I'm truly appreciative of that. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, um, Psyche. And it's interesting because my sister-in-law, Sabria, is actually on the live. And we have a funny story because she sent me, you know, way back when we were trying to put this together, she sent me a link to your blog. And, you know, they're always suggesting uh, people to bring on the program. And she said, oh, she would be great for the program. And then I'm like, I know her. <laughs> Way That's amazing. Yeah. She was like, you do, we, me and my co-workers, this is she talking, me and my co-workers follow her blog all the time. So you certainly have an international reach and we are so thankful that you were able to put this in a budget perspective because I think many times when we think of fashion, we think high end, we think not being able to afford the prices and it kind of just deters us from exactly. even trying to pursue. Exactly. And back in the day, like, you know, we relied heavily on magazines when we were growing up, right? Magazines were the outlet where you, you that that's the thing you tapped into to get inspiration. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, like Vogue and stuff, they, you realize they don't even mention price at all. Right. <laughs> it tells you something. It's like expensive as heck. Yep. Um, but like I'd say most women have budgets, right? Mm -hmm. you know, fast forward to today, you can't even open a single magazine where they don't have a page like, you know, 50 on the 50 or something mm -hmm. on the $25. Like in a lot right. of kind of online influencers and trailblazers are the ones that said, hey, this is important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. important for even just shifting the way the industry um, treated or looked at certain groups of people. Plus size mm -hmm. women, for example, like a lot of times, like they were the market largely ignored certain aspects of the population. And I felt like bloggers were like, hey, we are out here, we have mm -hmm. money, we have interests, and we want to look good too. And they yeah. really huge, huge yes. on the market that way. So I'm certainly looking forward to hearing all about your fashion inspirations and all that wonderful stuff. But before we get there, just kind of mm -hmm. tell us about your journey from St. Kitts to Texas Midwestern State University and then off to St. Louis, just so we can put, in, put into perspective who yeah. you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I left ah, St. Kitts way back in 1998. Um, 
to study, you know, do an undergraduate degree in economics. I was lucky to be a part of a very close-knit Caribbean student community. We belonged to an organization, a Caribbean student organization. That's how I initially met Simone and a bunch of another other amazing, uh, like, you know, young scholars from the Caribbean all over, all over the Eastern Caribbean, Trinidad, you know, Antigua, any island you could think of, um, we were all represented there. Studied economics. Um, initially, I worked at the central bank before going to study economics, central bank in St. Kitts. And my initial plan was to go right back home. But once I started studying, you know, my interests got expanded. I started seeing beyond just what it meant to live home. So I, you know, I went and I got some graduate degrees in economics. And even fast forward to today, I don't work at all in my field. Uh, <laughs> I started, started this blog as a hobby, like I told you all, and it kind of blew up. Um, brands throw a lot of money at those of us who are working in this area and have access to an audience that's interested in what it is that we have to say. And it turned into a business that really kind of rocked my world and flipped things upside down for me. And I pursued it full time. And it was my interest in this business, having to run a website, having to, to rely rather on third party apps, having to learn about algorithms and SEO that really sparked my interest in um, engineering. I wanted to know what was happening in the back end. And I decided to invest. I invested in myself. I trained and I got really lucky. <laughs> You know, this luck is a part of that to land um, a position with a really top software company. We work in artificial intelligence and to kind of bring it kind of full circle. I work on the apps team as a specialist who that integrates um, our software with third party applications. Like most people, for example, you use things like Siri on your iPhone. And when you ask Siri a question like, what's the weather? That's actually an integration that a software engineer had to make happen. So that's the kind of thing I do for our software company, but for our company. Yeah, excellent. So what a fantastic journey you've taken. So you went from economics, yep. studying economics, to now being a software engineer. Yeah. And I get the sense that part of this is just kind of following where the passion yeah. led you. Yeah, it's so funny because a lot of times when, you know, we leave home or we grow up, seeing what we see around us, we could sometimes limit our vision. You know, when I started college, I had barely ever even used a computer. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I started working in engineering or studying computer science was like, hey, no, mm -hmm. but after all a few years, anything could be possible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So now you're pretty much, so you're not even working in the field that you started off with. <laughs> not at all. I would say yeah. a lot of the work I've done, having worked in academia for a really long time, you know, informed the way I, able to work and inform the way I think or approach problem solving, but no, I do not. Yeah, so, so kind of tell us a little bit more about that experience of when you first started and just not seeing us represented, especially, you know, folks like you that with your natural hair, um, your yeah. natural beauty and just trying to get the acceptance in the fashion industry that was not necessarily skewed yeah. towards us. That's a great question. I would say one of the things I really started out doing was trying to represent and connect with women who were like me, who also felt like, hey, I don't see myself out there. So my initial interest was to be that person for women like myself. And that connection came very quickly, very rapidly. And it was huge. I was surprised. I was almost overwhelmed by how many women like across the world who would reach out and say like, oh my gosh, wow, I really kind of connect with kind of what you're saying. Or another thing that 
at the time when I started, a lot of the black bloggers were kind of representing a more kind of urban street style, which I was in academia. So that was something that didn't kind of gel well with me. So when I came out and would attract brands like a J. Crew, for example, that does a more kind of business casual type of style, that really resonated with women who felt like, oh my gosh, finally I get to see somebody who has similar interests. So that mm -hmm. came first. And once the audience came, brands were like, hey, who the heck? <laughs> is this person that everybody is listening to and then coming and buying the jacket that she's wearing? We need to tap into that. And that's how kind of blog collaborations and things like that came into play. The brand started realizing like, whoa, we're getting like this person wears this like yellow jacket. Then all of a sudden there are like 150 people buying it because they can track the source of the connection to their website. That's how the brands uh, came. And then the industry started listening. For me, I am, what was that? I think it was about 2015. I applied just kind of randomly for a style awards competition. It was hosted by Red Book Magazine and they wanted to do something very bold and brave. Like in fashion, the September issue, which is the fall issue for the year, is the biggest, kind of most significant issue of the entire year. The one that they sell the most of. So they put a lot of money in it, right? They mm -hmm. use a Beyonce on the cover. But Red Book <laughs> was like, yo, we want to do something different this year. We want to put like real women on the cover. <laughs> so they put a competition and we're like, hey, we want to see six, we want to choose six of the freshest women in the country. And I was like, mm, well, I'm taking pictures of myself and I kind of know to represent my style and I have a cute style. I might as well just try it. And then I became a finalist and, wow. then I won. <laughs> and it was luck. It was perfect timing. It was perfect timing in a lot of ways until mm -hmm. they really thought about how they wanted to structure that cover in terms of diversity among race. Um, they had like maybe what, two or three black people. One of us had natural hair, the other ones had straight hair. So there were all kinds of things you could tell they thought about really trying to capture a good representation of women in the country. But yeah, I won that competition and that wow. opened up all kinds of opportunities. <laughs> you know, that, that, flew, that flew the door open. Forget about opening up opportunities. It blew the door right open for you. Congratulations, Psyche. Thank you. Thank you. And yes. did something so bold as to put real women on the cover, it got attention of press. So that's when Cosmopolitan came. The mm -hmm. show in New York called. It was all kinds of people covering it. And I think they won some major awards for that cover as well, too. Good for you. Good for you. And we have several people on the live with us today. And we have Agnes who says, beautiful lady, love her style, love the natural hair. So lots of uh, comments coming in. Appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, so just tell us, because for those of us uh, who are, you know, in our 40s and above, we may not necessarily know all about blogging and all that information. So just kind of tell us, what is a blog? How do you create a business out of a blog? What do you post on the blog? So kind of just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So a blog is basically just like your own corner of the internet. It's so funny you asked about that because I was just reading a book about the internet and when that all started. And when it originally started, people truly wanted it to just be a place where individuals would contribute. And somewhere along the line, that kind of shifted, but mm -hmm. bloggers, and bloggers kind of brought that back. And we had some you know, fortunate engineers who created things like Blogspot on, and WordPress, which were the two original kind of like hosting sites that featured um, bloggers or allowed us to 
very without any technical background be able to host our own post our own websites online and take them live right so that's a, so this is my own website where I get to post and we could probably give them a little glimpse of it later and we'll definitely yes. the link that you can go and check that out on. So mm -hmm. it's just my own little space on the on the internet. So like you would go to like target.com, you can go to my website, economyofstyle.net, where I share things from my style to lifestyle to what I eat to things that I'm doing when working out. Um, it started out as fashion, but it kind of people became more and more interested in other things that I did. So I started making it a little bit more lifestyle, but fashion is still my focus for sure. So that's kind of how that started. And to be honest, one of the funny things, I've been doing this for so long that a lot of the social media platforms that we actually rely on so much today didn't even exist when I started. Like Instagram mm -hmm. did not exist. Facebook was around, but Facebook was predominantly, I think at the time, only for college students. You had to have like a .edu like in your email address to even sign up. But that has since changed. So bloggers in some ways shifted or created a demand for social media. And then social media now is kind of just like blowing up the world. So of course I have a platform on Instagram, any social channel you could think of. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I TikTok. I was on Snapchat at some point and I'm always at Economy of Style if you want to find me there. And we just share content. So it's supposed to be kind of organic content. I just share the things that I love. And if that aligns with you, you like it, maybe you like it and you buy it, or maybe you look and just get inspiration for how you could maybe do something in your own style. So it's just about being a place to inspire people who might not have time or even care to have to think about these things, but want to, to look good. So that's kind of what I am here for. Yeah. And then how do you make a business out of a blog? Because I think a lot of us have a lot of great content, a certain area in life that we're passionate about. And we would love the opportunity to be able to create a blog and potentially get sponsors. But it just sounds like such a, a job to be able to create the blog and then to get the sponsors for the blog. So how, how what is the process like? It is. So um there are a number of ways, first of all, to make money on your website. So you can just do kind of like things like Google AdSense, where you can get a certain kind of like uh, payouts in terms of advertising on the site of your blog. I don't do that a whole lot. I don't do that at all now um, anymore, actually. So that's kind of one um, way you can do that. There's another way we can make money off of what are called affiliate credits. So typically, if you use any link that I put on a blog on my blog. So if I share this look, for example, I would say, here's where you can get the blazer and I would link to it. That's actually an affiliate link. If you purchase and for some websites, it's also if you click on it, I get a commission. So it can mm -hmm. be anywhere from eight to 10%. So on smaller things like Target, you know, it's like pennies, but like if you buy the same Gucci bag that I have, I'll get $150 on like every wow. store. But then when you have like 50,000 people visiting your website, that can add up very quickly. So affiliate mm -hmm. credit is kind of one way. Then a third way, which is kind of a really popular way, the one to actually that allows you to make a whole lot more money is when a brand actually approaches you or you can pitch them yourself too. So I've been doing this for a really long time. So I'm on a number of PR lists. And there are also a number of agencies that I partner with because there are some big brands. Like I've, I've worked with Target a number of times. Target pretty much always only works through agencies. So they hire like an influencer agency. The agency has a number of influencers that they work with, like myself. And then when they see something that's a good fit for me, like, hey, we're doing a Shea Moisture campaign. So we want somebody who's black with natural hair to promote that. They'll reach out to me. Here's the rates. 
we can negotiate sometimes. Some of them are like fixed rates that you have to either accept or not. And they can get pretty high, like four figures just for a single Instagram post. And then of course those rates would like vary significantly based on how large of an audience that you have. I actually don't have like the hugest audience, but it doesn't kind of matter. Like brands really prioritize a certain kind of quality of content and what we kind of call branded content meaning that's content that they can truly see their brand fitting in with and fitting in on their own feeds. So one of the things I even do now too, like I just got hired by a company, it's a juicing company, has absolutely nothing to do with, um, you know, fashion, but I am vegan and I do kind of like make that very open, like on my channels and they're a juicing company and I love it. And they actually just hired me to create content that they can use on their feeds. Hmm. So that is a huge money maker because they get to pay us a lot for what we do. Um, I do my own photography in house. It's a skill I picked up, kind of doing this along the way. Right. Cuts my costs really low. So and I makes- also notice you're your own model, like, yeah, Are you ever gonna use? Because I've been following you for several. Years. And by the way, my 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 sister in law Sabria says my coworkers from Saint Kitts ask us to vote for her then, oh, and we started following her. So she actually voted for you oh, in that competition. Let me ask you, Psyche, you know, you're a beautiful model, but you've been your model for a long time. Is that intentional? Absolutely. So, you know, in this kind of work, what we really are trying to do is connect with an audience and to be that woman next door. Like I am not a model, first of all. I've learned a few things or two doing this kind of work about how to make clothes look good. But that's why people kind of resonate with it because when you go to like a major website and you look at the listing for the clothing that they're selling, you're like, damn, this person is like five, 50 pounds, mm-hmm. six foot five. Like, what is that going to look like on somebody? On me. Or nice. like, I'm only five, four. And like, I'm mm-hmm. four. what does that really look like? So I think that's what people see in people that do the work that I do. Somebody mm-hmm. that looks like me has a quote unquote like real body, <laughs> right? Yes. The photoshopped, even though a lot of that does go on in this world now. Mm-hmm. It's not the super kind of fake representation. This is what it really looks like. And I've also built trust. So I only share things that I truly love. Nice. I don't like kind of the things that I wouldn't actually use. And that's mm-hmm. that's actually the moneymaker in this world. Because once you build that trust, people are gonna kind of connect to that. So brands pay for that. Um, and it's also, it's going to add one thing on that, like brands, it's much cheaper for them. So I can get a huge pay cut, pay, paycheck by doing this kind of work to create content for them. If they had to do it on their own, they've got to hire the black model, hire photographer, right. hire the space. We play a lot of jobs, do the editing. It's a lot of hats mm-hmm. that we wear. So it's not easy work. So you said it sounds like a job. It really is. Yes, it is. Photography, scoping sites, curating a shot is a lot of work. And you've got to be good at that to get the attention of brands and get work done. Right. Absolutely. And now tell us about the importance of social media, because I think a lot of us discount social media. We see it more in terms of, you know, sharing the meal we had last night, posting uh, photos, but we don't see it as a business opportunity. And that's one of the things I'm hoping to do with my platform to show the business end of social media, to show how we can conduct workshops. We can do company presentations. We can do, we have people network and come present workshops on different topics. So kind of just tell us about the business of social media. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, social media has become such a huge business because we're all on there. Yes. <laughs> there are millions and millions of users and it's so easy to get in front of somebody. Mm-hmm. My most importantly platform right now is hands down Instagram. In fact, most mm-hmm. people that I know are hiring me just to do a static Instagram post. Interesting. They don't even want me to write a long form blog anymore. I keep my blog and I maintain that and I do my longer form, more intense content there. But everybody wants Instagram, Instagram, because it's that fast content. You can reach somebody, you can use the right hashtag. Those pictures are there and it's effective, right? You reach so many people so quickly. Everybody wants Instagram. And of course, mm-hmm. TikTok kind of took off like huge in the last year. Yes. I was on there. I'm yes. kind of like tentatively like easing my way into there, trying to find kind of my own voice. A lot of it seems a little juvenile in my opinion. I find so too. I find so too. I agree. <laughs> I agree. To make sure I kind of do it my way. I've done a few things that I've done well on there. Um, but yeah, because of the access you have. And then of course, Everyone's on there. Brands are on there. So you're talking about somebody who, like yourself, you might be wanting to reach out to a particular brand. You just have to tag them. Wow. Tag them in your post. Use their mm-hmm. hashtag. You can get the attention of them very easily. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Psyche, it works because we had a young man who's only 12 years old, and he ended up on the Food Network cooking competition. Wow. Simply oh from God. going to Instagram doing all his presentations and he would constantly tag food network food network um kids cooking competition he was just consistent and he ended up on the food network kids cooking competition it can happen it can happen and it can happen so easily and so quickly you just you never know who's seeing your content Yeah, certainly, certainly. So let's take a look at economy of style because I want our audience to see what um, what you do and the quality of information that you put out. So let me know if you can see that I'm sharing the screen right now. And of course, you have adapted your website to the current times. So you talk a lot about the fashion of running errands. And let's make sure you can still hear me, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Just wanted to make sure. So you do an awesome job of just talking about who you are and then talking about everything of importance in terms of just budget shopping. So let's kind of just talk about the importance of knowing your budget and just kind of getting out of the slump that we've been in for the last year or so. And I can hear people in my audience saying that, well, Psyche, so why are we even getting dressed up? Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> what? No, we're going to talk about that for sure. Panorama, <laughs> which is what I hear we all calling it now, because gosh, some of these platforms are flagging you when you say the words. So like, you know, the C word or the P word, so we can call it yes. a panorama, right? Like undoubtedly, it, it changed our worlds, right? It changed our everyday lives. It changed what it meant to go to work. Um, changed how we moved around in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So naturally, our style had to change right along with that. One of the things I prioritize with all of my content is always trying to be authentic and be relevant to the times. So I, I took a I took a break because, of course, just like everybody else, what was happening was so overwhelming. And I started that year had having suffered a huge loss. So I took some time and I'm like, okay, 
what are we going to do here? Because I can't just go on sharing the same kind of, you know, super glamorous looks for less because we aren't going anywhere. We are exactly <laughs> right. We are <laughs> So I thought, Dara, what are we doing? Well, we're spending a lot more time at home, which means we're prioritizing um, comfort. We started working online digitally. So we're always on Zoom or whatever platform it is that like, you know, your employer might use. So what are we kind of doing there? We want to make sure we're comfortable at home, but we're dressing kind of from the waist up, right? We were introduced to a new accessory, right? <laughs> the mask, which became like this <laughs> and a huge thing. Like we're like, what? I mean, maybe 10 years from now, we'll look back and be like, why are we wearing those things on our face? Hopefully we'll get to that point, right? But I said, okay, we've got to wear this thing. So how about we embrace that as an opportunity to exercise our style? For me, style again is important because it says something about us before you even say a word, right? When you walk into a room, you want to represent yourself, right? So I thought, okay. For me, I love things like bright colors, like obviously, right? I also like blazers. It's just kind of like my thing um, in terms of like showing off something that like showing off like decolletage, but I don't like to wear super short items. So just knowing what it is that excites you. And all of us, even if you think you don't know what your style is, you do. Like there's some, there's like some outfit you wore sometime and you just felt amazing when you wore that. Or you could look in your wardrobe and see that, hey, I keep buying the same kind of thing over and over and over again. I'm sure that's kind of telling you something as well too. You like whatever that thing is. So I thought, I thought, you know, I took all these things into consideration and started focusing my content there. So if you wanted to share those slides, we can know. Or yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a great opportunity to bring in um because apparently you have to stop sharing one screen and then jump on another screen so let's do that now while you continue to talk with us and of course um if you're just joining us we are here with miss psyche southwell out of st kitts originally um out in st louis originally from St. Kitts, and she's telling us all about the importance of still keeping our style fresh even during this pandemic. So Saiki, let me know if you can see the screen. I can, I can. Yeah, so let's just talk about what um, you're showing us here, the importance of style despite the pandemic. Right, so as you can imagine, like the fashion industry took a really huge hit, you know, last year, malls were closed. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't going anywhere so and we weren't sure a lot of us were uncertain about things like income or what was going to happen so we weren't spending in the same way as frivolously as we may have before but we did see like five big areas in fashion that took off in a huge way and mm -hmm. right so so i wanted to kind of just like spotlight some of those things like we're spending so much time at home kind of lounging around so i'm sure if i asked everybody we could see like hey raise your head <laughs> you know where <laughs> you bought nicer pajamas than you have in your entire life like that would be me right so pajamas and getting nicer pajamas was something that really took off last year and has continued yes. things that are comfortable and one of the sets that i even showed on that previous slide cost 25 dollars for both pieces so you don't, oh, have I don't think I can go back. a lot of money to actually like get the kinds of things that you want in terms of pajamas so a lot of us spend a lot more on pajamas and that's actually a trend that was a much larger trend all across the world as well too. 
Hello Square became like this huge thing as you can imagine. Like, you know, we bought in the house, in the house board like we were all were like last year. So you want to be comfortable, but because we're spending that much time there, hey, how can we also make sure we're showing up as our true selves? So one easy way was to get nicer loungewear as well too. And one of my biggest tips is to just, just get a matching set and mix and match that to that. So that was one of the ones that was on that previous slide as well too. And you know, we mentioned kind of like get out of the sweats. You can wear sweatsuits that look absolutely amazing. Like one of my things is like, I actually like my bottom to fit a little like closer, not like the oversized baggy thing and have the baggy on the top. For you, it might be the reverse, right? In terms mm -hmm. of what maybe you like best or what you like to flatter and flaunt on your own body. And that's kind of like cool as well too. So loungewear was another era we saw really like blow up in terms of fashion. Sneakers is another one, right? Yes, um, yes. Like I have never been like the sneaker wearing like woman out in these streets, but I've gotten more peers than ever recently because <laughs> where am I going in heels, right? You're right. Going to or you're ready to the grocery store and then you're going back home. So I wanted mm -hmm. comfortable shoes. So sneakers became a cool trend, but they are really cool ways to make those look cool as well too. So you notice in all of my looks, whether I was wearing pajamas, whether I was wearing like loungewear, whether I'm just wearing sneakers, you're seeing things that are kind of evidence of my personal style. I love bright colors. I love statement sleeves. I like color blocking colors. I like showing the shoulder. So just accentuate the things that you love but in this kind of time as well too, right? We're not going out in a ball gown. Well, some of the islands, I see y'all are kind of open up and partying out there already. <laughs> yeah. Biggie's had all kind of stuff like last year. They've done well, but like they are having a little fit here and there, but we aren't doing that kind of stuff here um, right now. So, hey, this is the kind of thing that kind of fits the time. So sneakers is right. that other one. So you can go to the next one. Mm. And of course, most people <laughs> like zooming it up. Like, don't ask me to stand up right now because I am wearing great joggers that don't even go <laughs> You and I both. <laughs> okay, see all that. So, like, we zoom on top became a kind of a huge thing. So people were buying tops, right? You needed to look good from the top, whether it's just a bright T-shirt whether you throw on your blazer, like, cause I like blazers, just throw on your blazer over a $5 top from Target, or maybe you're doing like one of those Zoom parties or Zoom girls night out. So you might put on something with ruffles or a little bit fun from the closet of your old life, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So that was one of the big things here. And then of course, on the next slide, Masks became a huge thing. And that's a video which has a little bit of a music playing. I don't know if we want to do that. <laughs> I the mask as an accessory, right? We have to wear it. Why not make it something that accentuates our outfits, right? So for me, as you can see, I'm playing with color, right? So color blocking. And you don't have to spend a lot of money on masks. And even the disposable ones, if that's your preference, there are companies now that make them in different colors. You don't have to wear that surgical blue mask that everybody's wearing. So embrace that as an opportunity to just express your style. Because for me, one, it communicates who you are, but gosh, it makes me feel so good. When I'm wearing yeah. them, I knew I love them, I feel amazing. It right. And I and I think that is 
And I think that is the main reason I wanted you to come by and speak with us, Psyche, because it is so important. I think we underestimate how important looking good is to actually feeling better. Because I think a lot of us have like low grade anxiety, low grade depression, because it's been over a year and we still have not seen the end of this pandemic. So I really wanted you to come by because I really wanted us to talk about the importance of looking good to feel good. Get out of the sweatpants you're running an error let me tell you when this pandemic started psyche i swear i was wearing the same sweatsuit like um rotating between three sweatsuits for like three months i just kept rotating because i'm like nobody's gonna see me i'm just running to the supermarket to come back home who's gonna see me (laughs) exactly exactly i you know i did some of that myself too right the the earliest part of that was very scary and it's been a scary kind of run which i'm sure has had all kinds of traumatic kind of effects on us and our psyches right but yeah but i slowly started emerging from that i'm like no i need to kind of mix this up a little bit like we are color and then you know every now and again you know we had to keep our six foot difference but i'll be in target and somebody will be like oh my gosh seeing that yellow on you is just it's just made my with a lot of form connections in a time where we were so disconnected and feeling Mm -hmm. so lonely in some ways so i felt like if fashion could help with that let's do it so that's my content to kind of focus on that kind of um content yeah, and speaking about uh, pivoting your content, so while most of us were simply trying to pivot to keep our jobs, keep our careers, you went out and started a whole oh new God. career. So tell us about that. So why why start a new career and what is, what is it all about? So I would say over the last two years, um, having run a website, having to think about things like SEO, which is structural equation, structural, <laughs> let's forget that, <laughs> SEO to... Um, to figure out how is it that you get your content in front of as much people as possible. Like that's a very technical um, term. Uh, things like Instagram, for example, I rely very heavily on that for my business because everybody wants that. But Instagram in one swoop could change the algorithm and it completely shifted the way I would have had to uh, kind of work. Because if you've heard, if you talk to influencers or if you're someone who's on there a lot, you'll be like, dang, my content is not getting seen by as many people. There are things happening in the back end of that application that's causing that to happen. And I just became more and more curious about what that was. So I started dabbling very casually. Of course, I knew a little bit about HTML and CSS because I run my own site and would sometimes have to tweak things about the design. So I decided to invest, right? And I went to a training camp that allowed me to just dig in while the world had kind of slowed down. I was still working on this business, but I decided to invest a huge money and uh, time into kind of learning how to develop applications. I did a full stack kind of Java development program. And it was kind of just one of the best things ever that I did because one of the things I learned, computer science would have been something that intimidated me as someone who started college having never even used a computer very much like when we started college mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. Like, we used to still yes. write papers giving it like a digital copy to a professor was optional at them times right people today mm-hmm. wouldn't even understand what that world was but we didn't have to it wasn't fully integrated into our lives at that time so it wasn't something i would have imagined doing and so still like a lot of that kind of lingered that way of thinking but when the more I got into this uh, work, the more I realized, wow, software engineering is 
actually more about logical thinking. And I think that should be the thing that really attracts women in particular, black women in particular, because we need to be at the table when these applications that we rely on so heavily are being created and developed, but a lot of times we are not. And when you realize, whoa, it is just about, it's really about logical thinking. And that's something we as women do really well. <laughs> it's, um, it allows us to excel. So I did that program and I decided, well, I kind of want to continue training. In the long run, I probably want to do work on my own and develop my own kinds of applications, but I wanted to train more, like I'm new. I learned this stuff in a very kind of like microwave situation. So there's so much I knew I didn't know. So I wanted to work for a compute uh, company that would allow me to develop. And I found the most amazing startup, which uh, sells AI software. The CEO of this company was the CEO of a major company that sold for $900 million wow. ago in the past. So this is the new startup. So I get to get in on that early. It's been an amazing opportunity. One of the things that attracted me to this company in particular is there are a number of women, which is not something that's representative in tech at all, even to this day, but they've got a large number, a larger number than the national or global averages in tech. And many of those women hold the leadership roles. So mm. my team lead is a woman and that's a unique opportunity. So I was like, I'm sold. 